They were told to wait. They were told not to do anything. Oh, there was an explanation, but it was an explanation that they didn't understand. It didn't make sense to them. It had been three years. For three years, they had been following Jesus. For three years, they had been listening to him. For three years, they had actually heard the very voice of God did what he said to do, went where he said to go. For three years, they had watched him walk into cities and see everything just be changed because of his presence. For three years, they watched everything be changed because of his grace, his love, and his compassion, his forgiveness. For three years, they had been following Jesus, sitting under his tutelage. But now it was time. Now it's time. See, for three years, they'd essentially been making their way, marching towards Jerusalem. Finally, they were there. They were certain it was time. Jesus was going to establish his kingdom on earth. Jesus was going to make some waves, make some noise. Rome was going to come down. Jesus was going to come up. They all would probably have positions of power and authority when Jesus was done. Now was the climax of the story. Now was the time. Oh, they were ready. Oh, they couldn't wait. And then Jesus died. Didn't make any sense to them. They didn't understand it. They were certain that Jesus was coming to establish his kingdom on earth. And oh, he was. But just not in the way they expected him to. See, God wasn't going to use any kind of political power or political manipulations or military victories or anything of the like to establish his kingdom on earth. That wasn't his plan. In fact, the success that he would have and establish his kingdom on earth wouldn't really look like success by their standards then or our standards now. And yet three different times, three different times Jesus told them, this isn't going to end the way you think it is. This isn't going to end the way you think it is. This isn't going to end the way you think it is. Jesus told them. He said, I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem to be killed. I'm going to allow myself to be handed over. And I'm going to be spit upon. And I'm going to be mocked. And I'm going to be beaten. And I'm going to be whipped. And I'm going to be crucified. And I'm going to die and be put on a grave. And when I get put in that grave three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. And if I don't rise, don't follow me. For three years, the disciples had had the best spiritual training anyone had ever received. For three years, trained by Jesus himself. When Jesus rose from the dead, he sat and he taught with the disciples. And the last thing he said to them before returning to be with his Father in heaven is he told them, wait for it. He said, don't do anything. Just wait. If you're new here, let me say welcome to Faith Church. I'm excited to get to be with you all today. One, because we're starting a brand new series on the book of Acts. We'll get to that in a minute but two, because it's been a while since I've gotten to be here with you. If you're new, here's what's taking place. Our church cares deeply about the mental health of its staff and its pastors and its employees, and so we've begun this practice where uh, we send our staff on sabbatical. Our goal is that every seven years, everybody on staff ends up on sabbatical. So we got to do that first off last year, Pastor Evan, and then this summer, I got to be gone all summer. 
in on sabbatical, spending some time with my family, some time with the Lord, just some time it was being refreshed, rejuvenated. And so let me just say this. This is my first uh, Sunday back in the pulpit. And let me just say, hasn't our team and our staff here at Faith Church, in my absence, just done an incredible job? Yeah. What I love is so many of you, uh, I, I was, a couple weeks ago, I was able to be at baptisms. Last week I was at church, and then this week being here again. And so many of you, the first thing you've said to me was, oh my gosh, so-and-so, their sermon on this. Oh, them teaching this. Oh man, it's like we haven't missed a beat. Oh, I just love church. I've met a few people who are new. They've been here three months, have never met me. <laughs> and, and, and I love it because they're not here because of me. <laughs> And they're not, honestly, they're not here because of the staff. They're here because of Jesus. They're here because of the Holy Spirit, right? And I love that. And so I just, I just am so thankful for the team here at Faith Church and the job they've done. They've done an incredible job. Now, we get to dive in into this book of Acts. If you remember, if, if you were here this summer, there, we shared with you a video of me talking about this, that I knew before I left that the Lord had put on my heart that he wanted our church to walk through the book of Acts. And so I challenged you all to read it. I challenged you all to say, while I'm gone on sabbatical, I'm going to be reading through it. And I challenged you all to read through it, right? And I know every one of you did that, right? Raise your hand if you did. No, I'm just kidding. Don't, no, no. There's no gold stars and no shame, okay? But some of you did, some of you didn't, right? Elbow your spouse if you know they didn't do it, okay? And I'm not looking. Okay, there. All right, good. And, and so, so, so here, here's the reality. Like, but some of you did, and it's okay. We're going to do something different as we walk through this series. I'm really, really excited about this. Some of my time in sabbatical was just spent in prayer. And one of the things I was praying about is how do we help our church? How do we help one another just continue to go deeper? How do we help us fall in love with this, with the Word of God? How do we help ourselves begin to understand it? And so what we're going to do every week of this series is we're going to tell you what Scripture is being preached on next week from the book of Acts. Some weeks it'll be a few verses. Some weeks it'll be uh, you know, double-digit verses. Some weeks it might be a whole chapter. There's only one week, I think, that it might ever be longer than that, all right? But what we wanna challenge you to do is to read the verses. We're gonna tell you what next week's verses are and read them and spend the week just investing some time into it. Because here's the thing. What tends to happen is, is, is we'll tell you, you need to read your Bible, and people are like, okay, that means they have to do it every day, and I've got to get through like five chapters or seven, seven chapters, because that's a holy number, so that's probably what I should do. Then we all get overwhelmed, and we don't do it, and then we feel like we don't really know Jesus because I'm not in his word, and then we feel shame, and we feel guilt, and I don't want that. What I want to do is I want to help you begin to just dive some into God's word. I have a really good friend of mine. He's actually one of my ones. Here at Faith Church, we talk about who's your one, who's the people that you're hoping to introduce to Jesus. And this friend of mine is one of my ones. We've been having a lot of spiritual conversations. And the other day, he told me that he's gonna, he's, he decided to start reading the Bible. I was like, yes, I was all excited. And then he told me he was going to start in Genesis. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Because here's the thing. Any of you that have ever started in Genesis, you know that you hardly ever finish. The other thing I know about Genesis is that uh, there's some weird things in it. Um, and then I also know Leviticus and Numbers is coming next. <laughs> yeah, he's already come to me and been like, so can we do this? And I'm like, no. No, that's, you have to understand that, that, that they did that, and that was against what God was hoping they would do. Like, and and so, so, so here's what you need to know about Scripture, as I challenge you to read it every single week as we go in this series. Uh, somebody smarter than me said this, but I said this to my friend because somebody smarter than me said it first, but I don't remember who. But they said the Bible is like the ocean. It is shallow enough in some places that anybody and everybody can wade into it. 
In other words, it's shallow enough that, that you can read scripture and anybody and everybody can get something from it, right? But it's also deep enough that if you don't have the right tools and equipment, you can drown. And so there are parts of scripture that without the right tools, without the right equipment, you're gonna go, that doesn't make sense. I don't get that. I need help from gonna understand that, right? So I told my friend, I said, all right, bring all your questions. And when you're done with Genesis, can we please move to the New Testament? Like, can we please move to like Mark? Um, and so he's like, we'll see. But he really wants to read it front cover to back cover. And I'm like, oh, praise Jesus. Um, I didn't mean it like a curse word. That sounded like a curse word. I don't think I meant it that way. But we'll see. As we work through Genesis, I might be like. So, um, so here, here's why I tell you that, though, is, is I want to challenge you as we do the, the book of Acts each week. So, like for, right, so here's what this week is, is introduction. I'm going to introduce you to the book of Acts. In fact, in a moment, I'm going to walk you through the whole book in like 15 minutes. And you're going to be like, sweet, I don't have to come after that. Yes, you do. Um, we will send Evan, Pastor Evan will come to your door, six foot six, and now he's like 120 pounds, but still six foot six of him, and, and, and he will make you come. But that's not true. That's not real. If you're new here, please don't think we do that. Okay, um, but here's why this is important that I'm talking about this, is I want to begin to see our church dive in and begin just to work to understand Scripture and just to go, okay. So, like this, so this week's the introduction, which means next week the verses. And every week we're going to put the verses on our website, right on the front page. You go to the very, you'll see, what, hey, next week's sermon is going to be on these verses. It's also in our newsletter, uh, the brew that you've heard us talking about. You'll get monthly. And in that newsletter, we'll post the, 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 the scriptures for the next month so that you can see what they are. Okay, so you can always follow along. And my hope is just to get you to begin to read some. And then you can be like, what did I get out of that? Think about it all week long. See if you can apply something from it. And then on Sunday, you get to see, did I get the same thing as whoever's teaching? And if you didn't, oh well. And if you did, cool. And our hope is to begin to help train you, show you some tools and help you learn how to read and understand some scriptures. So that's something new that we're gonna be doing. But this week, I'm setting up the book of Acts for you. This week, I'm gonna set it up for you. Jesus went to the cross and he died. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He met with the disciples. When he met with them, he told them to do nothing. He told them that they were to simply wait and they're waiting for a gift he said, I've got a gift I'm gonna give for you, to you. You're supposed to wait and do nothing until the gift comes. And the gift that was coming was not a what, but a who. <laughs> but I don't think the disciples grasped that just yet. So this book of Acts that we're working through, what this really is, is basically it's the what happened after Jesus left book of the Bible. It's the what happened after Jesus left story for us to read. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to show you a map. So we should have a map up on the screen. And in this map, what I want you to understand is everything you've seen and heard about Jesus so far is all taking place basically in this purple area right here. That is all Israel, all right? And that's where everything Jesus is taking place. And what you need to understand about Jesus is Jesus in his time and his ministry, it was about three years long, and he traveled about 150 miles uh, lengthwise, like north to south, and about between 40 to 60 miles wide. Okay, and that was the extent of Jesus' travels. And all of the stories and all of the miracles and all that we know of him from the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all took place, and, and if you go back to that map in that purple area on the map right there with the squiggly line, it all took place right there. Now, let me summarize today the book of Acts for you. Here we go. It starts in a small city called Jerusalem, which is that dot right there. That's where it starts in that tiny little dot that's in this map that's already zoomed in on the Mediterranean Sea and the area surrounding it, okay? And, and, and again, the disciples, they're waiting. And they're waiting not for a what, but for a who. And it's this who that shows up. And this week, I'm not even gonna get to the who. That's next week. Oh, it's gonna be good. You don't wanna miss next week. Next week, we're gonna get to the who. But this who shows up and everything changes. 
This who shows up. And all of a sudden, in one day, there's 3,000 people that give their lives to Jesus. 3,000 people who get baptized. And just incredible, incredible, incredible. Well, that would create quite the stir. And the Roman leaders and the Jewish leaders, they thought their task was done when they killed Jesus. They thought they'd finally put out this tiny, because that's, that's how you kill a jacked up cult, right? You kill its leader. And so they were like, cool, we're done. However, when that leader comes back to life three days later <laughs> and starts talking to people, when 40 days afterwards, he's still teaching and walking around and hundreds upon hundreds of people have seen him, heard from him, talked to him, touched him, <laughs> suddenly things begin to change. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, this, this little thing they thought was just this tiny cult is beginning to grow because of Jesus. <laughs> and it's growing and it's growing and it's growing. And then Jesus goes up and he, he leaves and heads up to heaven to be with his father and he tells the disciples to wait. And they're waiting for the who, not a what. So here's what we're gonna see in the book of Acts. Are you ready? This is how the book of Acts goes. First off, if you go back to the map here, there's this city of Antioch that's off to the right right here. I'm gonna circle it for you. The city of Antioch is there. And there's a group of, of, of believers that are there at the church in Antioch. And as they're in Antioch, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're sitting and they're listening, they're enjoying church. And one of them, one of them probably says something along the lines and goes, oh, what a great day at church today. Oh, yeah, 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 it was great. They played my favorite song. Oh, finally, I hate it when they don't play my favorite song. You know, it's like they're trying to make me mad. But today they played it, they finally did. Ashley finally listened. And we finally got to play Rattle. And so it was good. And, and they start talking about the service. They're like, oh, man, and the preaching, it wasn't too long. And I actually understood it, and it was nice. And, and so they're talking about service, how good it was. But then one of them finally goes, but I feel like there's something missing. And they're like, what do you mean from church? And he goes, no, not, not from church. I feel like there's supposed to be more. And somebody else says, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's supposed to be more. And they begin to look around, and somebody says, yeah, the more's out there. And they look at the city. And they go, what about those that don't know Jesus like we do? What about those who don't know the peace and the forgiveness and the grace and the love of Jesus, the fulfillment that he provides and that he gives? And so this, this tiny little group, this little band of believers, they decide that they're going to set out on some missionary journeys. And they're going to go and share the message of Jesus. And so the book of Acts is these missionary journeys then. And so, so, so what happens is this small band of believers, they leave the city of Antioch, and they go from Antioch, and they come right over here to this island of Cyprus. When we get to the island of Cyprus, oh, this is going to be a fun week. They meet a sorcerer. And there's a battle. It's kind of like Lord of the Rings, but it's not. And um, it's nothing like Lord of the Rings, but it just sounds fun if I say that. It, it makes you go, oh, I need to be there that week. So, and, and so it's, it's really, really fun. And maybe the sorcerer, you don't want to miss that week. And the island of Cyprus. Then they go from there, and they begin to travel up here. And this is the area of Galatia. And they go to several cities in Galatia. And they go from one city to the next city. And some cities love them and some cities hate them. But they're sharing the good news of Jesus. People's lives are being changed. They've had such a good time. They decide we should head back. They come back down here through Tarsus. And then eventually they make their way back to Antioch. And when they get back to Antioch, they meet with the church. The church goes, how was it? And they go, it was incredible. You wouldn't believe the life change we saw. You wouldn't believe how people were reacting, the marriages that were being saved, the lives that were being changed, the peace that was being found. They were like, that's great. And then all of a sudden, one of the guys in this group, they go, you know what? We should go again. And everybody else goes, yeah, that's a great idea. And so they leave again. And so this, if you ever hear about the second journey, they're going to take a second journey. And so the second missionary journey, what they do this time is they start in Antioch, but they come straight over here. And when they get over here, they can't decide where the Lord wants them to go. They're like, I don't know. Should we go here? Should we go here? Should we go there? They try to decide where to go. They don't know. And so when you don't know where to go, what do you do? Almost. You go to the beach. That's what you do. 
Anytime you don't know what to do, you go, you go to the beach, right? So they come over here, and they go to the beach is where they end up at. And, and there at the beach, you know, you get there, and you get your favorite drink in hand, virgin, whatever, up to you. Like, that's your call. And, and you begin to pray and listen to the Lord while you enjoy the rays and the sunshine, and you're getting a tan, right? Like, so this is what they're doing. So they're at the beach. I may have added some of that. And so they're there, and they're trying to pray and listen. And while they're there, they, they, one of them has a vision, a vision that tells them they're supposed to go to Macedonia. And they thought, what? We've never thought of going that far. We didn't picture that. They're like, but we gotta go. So the Lord wants us to do. And so they make their way over to Macedonia. And so they come over here and they end up over here. And when they get over there, they meet this woman named Lydia. Oh, and Lydia's a special, special lady. In fact, it was pretty incredible for them when they, when they met her. She was financially savvy. She was a powerful woman, a leader in the community. And, and she becomes the center for the financial backing that this little band of believers need to keep doing their missionary retreats that they're doing, to keep going around sharing the good news of Jesus. When, when Lydia and her family heard the truth, they gave their lives to Christ. And now she is the one who is funding the little group that is sharing the message of Jesus. Man, it's incredible. Now, from there, what happens is they make their way down and, you know, they go through Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and Athens and eventually in Corinth. They spend two years in Corinth because Corinth is a messed up city. It's messed up. I mean, it's like DeWitt. And so um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I grew up in Williamston and we called DeWitt the DeWittiots. And so that's, I don't like them. Uh, it's just, it's, it's old rooted hatred from high school sports. I can't help it. I like you if you live in DeWitt, but not if you graduated in 1998. So, okay. <laughs> now, from there, what happens next is they make their way. They're going to come back through Ephesus, visit some old friends from the first trip. They're like, hey, this is fun. And then they're going to come all the way back, and they come back to Antioch. And they get back to Antioch, and the church goes, how was it? And they go, it was even better. If you would believe what's happening, every city we go into, we're planting churches and people are coming and people are coming to know Jesus. They're giving their lives to him and all we're doing is telling them the good news and, and, and marriages are being saved and people are changing how they handle their finances and, and, and parenting is changing and communities are changing and, and people are finding peace and people are finding forgiveness and people are finding love and it's just, it's incredible and the church applauds them. They're like, yes, that's amazing. And then someone from the church says, hey, uh, you guys should go again. And they go, oh, I don't know about that. And we've done it twice. That was a long trip. We were there a long time, two years just in Corinth. We missed a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of stuff. We were away from family and loved ones. We missed all the big sporting events. And then one of them goes, yeah, but the Lions aren't going to win the Super Bowl anyways. <laughs> and he wasn't wrong. And they didn't win it back then either. So... Um, and so they all go, you know what? Let's do it. So they, so they go on a third trip. And so on this missionary trip, they, they end up, what they do is they kind of go back to the same area where they were at over here, and they spend some time there, and they end up, whoops, maybe, there. And they end up coming back. But this time when they come back, they go all the way down to Jerusalem. And they end up in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, remember, this is like the headquarters of the church. Okay, this is where it all began. They're back in the Jesus territory where Jesus was. All of his miracles took place. And so they end up back in Jerusalem. And when they get there, they start telling the church in Jerusalem about all the incredible things that were happening and how they'd done three different missionary journeys, the lives that were being changed, all that was taking place. And you know what the church in Jerusalem said? <laughs> they said, whoa, 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 hold on. Wait a minute. Jesus is our God. He's not their God. He's the God of the Jews, we're Jews, they're Gentiles. 
He didn't come for them. They're, they're Romans and Greeks and Syrians. And, no, no, no. He's our God. He's our God. And so Paul and his companions, Paul was the one who was leading these, these, these missionary journeys. So Paul and his companions, they go, listen, I, I know what you're saying, but let me tell you what's happening in their cities. Let me tell you what's happening in their homes. Let me tell you what's happening in their marriages and with their finances and their hearts and their lives. Let me tell you about the freedom they're finding, the grace they're finding, the peace they're experiencing. And the church in Jerusalem kind of scratches their head for a moment. And they go, huh, yeah, but uh, did you tell them about the entrance fee? Paul goes, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And they go, you know, snip, snip, circumcision. Did you tell them about that? Paul goes, yeah. Well, we mentioned that to a few of them. They said they love the club but hate the dues. Um, so we're going to have to have some conversation. We're going to have to talk about that. We, that might not be necessary anymore. And all of a sudden, the church explodes. They're freaking out because now you're changing things. You're changing our traditions. Or you're changing what we think is supposed to happen or not supposed to happen. And so the church began to talk all about this. And they started going, well, maybe, maybe Jesus is the new covenant. Maybe Jesus is the fulfillment of, of the law. Maybe it isn't about Old Testament law anymore. Maybe it truly was finished in Jesus. And such an uproar begins to happen in the church that sides are created and people are arguing and people are fighting and, and, and they can't handle and there's this disagreement and there's this division. And one day Paul's in the temple courts and as he's there in the temple courts, see, see the Romans who kind of run Israel, they kind of let Israel do their own thing as long as they don't make too much trouble for them, but the Romans oversee it, they kind of occupy it and, and, and this is creating trouble for the Romans because there's fights breaking out and problems. And so one day the Romans are frustrated with, with, with all the Jews that are fighting and, and, and Paul's in the temple courts and somebody points out Paul and says, hey, that's the troublemaker. That's the guy who's been causing all this. Go and get him. And so the Romans do, and they arrest Paul. And they arrest Paul, and they put him in jail. Now, while Paul is in jail, the Jews, some of the Jews, form a plot to kill Paul. They're like, as soon as he gets out, we're going to kill him because he's trying to mess up our faith. And so they plan to kill Paul. But while he's there, the Romans begin to investigate him, and, and they come back from the investigation, and they go, hey, um, guys, this guy, Paul's doing nothing wrong. All he's doing is being loving. We can't find anything about him that, that deserves him to be in prison, so we're going to set him free. And then some of Paul's supporters come and they go, you can't set him free. There's a plot to kill him. As soon as you let him go, they're going to kill him. And Rome goes, well, you don't care. <laughs> like, we're not going to hold him in jail, but we're not, like, we're not here to protect him. He's just some Jew. Like, we're not worried about it. And then all of a sudden, they find out he's a Roman citizen. Oh, well, we're not going to let a bunch of Jews kill a Roman citizen. We can't do that. But now they don't know what to do. They can't let him go. He'll get killed, but they can't keep him in prison. He hasn't done anything wrong. So what they end up doing, if you go back to the map, is they send Paul over to the coast of Caesarea, which is over kind of in this area over here, um, and they send Paul there. And so Paul ends up in Caesarea, and he spends a couple of years there, and he's essentially in jail there. But while there, he actually kind of holds court, if you will, with some of the most important and powerful men and women in the Roman Empire. They keep coming because they love to listen to Paul. They love to talk to him. They love to ask him questions. And so Rome doesn't know what to do with him. And finally, one day, Paul just decides, you know what? I'd like to go visit Rome. And so he asks for his case to be heard in Rome. And because he's a Roman citizen, he has that right. He gets to ask that. And so they go, all right. And so Paul's off on another trip. So his fourth trip, he's headed off to Rome. And so what he does, is he leaves from Caesarea, and he comes first to the island of Crete. And then from the island of Crete, he's going to make his way around the horn of Sicily. And they're going to get into here. And then there's going to be a storm. And when the storm comes, it's going to shipwreck their boat onto the island of Malta, which is not on this map, but it's somewhere around here. And they get shipwrecked onto the island of Malta. 
Now, this the week that we get to this, oh, you don't want to miss this week. They get shipwrecked on the island of Malta. And um, let me just say this. If you don't like snakes, that's going to be a rough week. Like, I just did. It just did. It's going to be a rough week. Um, I had this idea. Like when I was on sabbatical, it gives you a lot of time to think about how do we make sermons better? How do we, how do we engage all five senses that people have? And so I had this idea. I was like, that week what we should do is there's so many snakes in the story, we should release snakes in the church. No, no, and I knew you guys were gonna say no. I knew that, which is why I've already released them. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, there's no snakes in, in the church. My wife would kill me. Um, in fact, my wife, my wife hates snakes. Like, even, even the picture, photo of them freaks her out, like, just uncomfortable with it, like, hates Snakes. I'll never forget one day I was at work and I get this frantic phone call from my wife. And she's screaming and she's crying and I'm like, what's wrong with the kids? And she's like, nothing, but there's a snake in our house. (laughs) And I was like, oh man. So I was like, oh, well, where are you? She's like, I'm on the deck. I'm like, where are the kids? She's like, well, the two oldest are with me on the deck. I'm like, where's our youngest? And she goes, he's taking a nap. (laughs) Where? In the house. Like you didn't get him? No, there's a snake in the house. So that just so now, if you ever wondered, my wife loves our children, but is more afraid of snakes than she loves our kids. Um, and I'm just kidding, just kidding, Kobe. It's all right. She loves you. You were fine. It was a garter snake. Okay. Um, so, but Kobe literally was napping in the house in his crib, and and so she's like, "You have to come home now." And so I'm like, "All right, I'm on my way." So I get in the car and I'm on my way. It's a 15 minute drive. And the whole way I'm driving there, I'm thinking, there is no way I'm finding this snake. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to look for two hours, and then I'm going to tell her I found it. Because there's no way, like, if a snake doesn't want to be found, you ain't finding that snake. So I come home. They're all out on the deck except for poor Kobe. And, um, and, 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 and I get home. They're like, it's somewhere in the house. you got to find it. Craziest thing, I'm telling you, within 15 minutes, I found the snake. Could not believe it. Got it out of the house. Rescued the family. Rescued Colby, because I love him enough to go chase the snake. You know? Um, but anyway, so, so from that, trust me, I've learned my lesson. Like, there will be no snakes here that week. But that will be a fun week. You don't want to miss that week when we get to that story. Now, from there, from, 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 from Malta, what Paul ends up doing is then next what he does is he finally makes his way to Rome. And when he gets to Rome, what do you think he does? When in Rome you do? No. We're in church. When you get to Rome, you preach. That's what you, Paul knew. That's what happened. That's what Paul did. Paul got to Rome and Paul preached. And so he begins to preach. And that, my friends, is the book of Acts. That's the book of Acts. That's, that's where we're going. That's, about, that's what we're about to undertake. We're going to undertake the story week by week, going through it however long it takes, and it's going to be an incredible journey that we're on as a church together in God's Word. This story of the book of Acts, it spans across 30 years, about 30 years and about 10,000 miles. Remember the story of Jesus? We said that was three years and about 150 miles north and south and about 50 wide. This is 30 years and over 10,000 miles of travel. It's the story of what happened after Jesus. What happened when the disciples were told to wait? Not for a who or for what, but for a who. I can't wait. Next week, we're going to get into that. Next week, we're going to talk about the who they're waiting for. It's going to be good. 
This is the book of Acts. It helps to answer the question of what do you do? Once you know Jesus, once you know the story of Jesus, what do you do? Once you know about the life of Jesus, what do you do? Sure, you know some of his teachings or you know some of his miracles, but now what? Now what? Church, this is the story of Acts. It's, it's, It's the book of we've met Jesus, now what? We've met Jesus, and now what? And you see in this book of Acts, here's what we're gonna read about. We're gonna read about 32 countries, 54 cities, nine islands, and 95 leaders who are mentioned by title, by position, and by authority they hold. Let me say that again. We're gonna be introduced to 32 countries, 54 cities, nine islands, and 95 people who are identified by their title, by their position, and by the authority they held. In all of history, we do not have another book that more accurately dictates and shows the Roman Empire from this time than the book of Acts. In fact, in the mid-1960s, there's a guy by the name of A.N. Sherwin White. He was an expert in Greco-Roman history. He was from the University of Oxford or Oxford University. And so get this, you've got this. He's an expert in Greco-Roman history, not a believer, not a Christ follower, all right? So as he's writing about the book of Acts, he says, all the God stuff in this, do what you want with it. Take it where you want. I'm not writing about that. But I want you to see what he writes about the historicity and the authenticity of the book of Acts. He, he says this. He says, the historical framework is exact in terms of time and place and details. They are all precise and correct. As documents go, these narratives belong to the same historical series as the record of provincial and imperial trials and the epigraphical and literary sources of the first and second centuries A.D. For this book of Acts, the confirmation of historicity is absolutely overwhelming. Any attempt to reject this book on the basis of historicity, even in the matter of the littlest details, must now appear absurd. Roman historians have long taken the truth of this book for granted. Wow. Are you ready? Church, are you ready to dive in to the book of Acts? Like, I'm so excited for us to do this together, to get to experience this. Here's, here's why I'm so excited. Let me tell you why I'm so excited. Because if you understand the book of Acts, you understand the rest of the New Testament. If you understand the book of Acts, you understand the rest of the New Testament. What do I mean by that? Let me see if I can explain it. The book of Acts, it's kind of like, like a, um, oh, shoot, now I forgot to say it. It is this first verse, a mold. Mobile. What's the thing that hangs above a baby's crib? Mobile or mobile? Mobile. If you think it's mobile, raise your hand. If you think it's mobile, raise your hand. If you think it's mobile, no. Okay. So wait, mobot. Wait, what did we decide? Mobile. Okay. Well done. Okay. Just I was testing you guys. Very good. You got it right. so a mobile, the thing that hangs above, like when I was a baby, it was just a hanger because we didn't care about tetanus back then. And so it was just a metal hanger, but it has little toys that, I'm just kidding, I have no idea, I don't remember it. My parents are sitting here in the second row and they're freaking out because uh, I just told you all they didn't care if I got tetanus. Um, I did step on a nail though and they took me to the hospital to get a tetanus shot. So I think they care some. Um, but uh, uh, so anyways, so, so you've got that thing that hangs above the crib, right? And hanging down from the hanger, the metal hanger to poke you, uh, or toys, right? Or little things for the kids to like look at, to play with, to touch, and to see, right? Okay, so this is, this is why I say the book of Acts is like that, okay? The book of Acts, uh, it, it, hanging down from it, is the rest of the New Testament. Everything hangs from the book of Acts, okay? Let me explain. Why do we have a book called Galatians? 
It's because in the book of Acts, this little group went to this area of Galatia and they planted a church and they had to write a letter back to the church in Galatia. But why, why do we have a book of Ephesians? It's because they went and planted a church in Ephesus and they happened in Acts and then they have to write a letter back to the church in Ephesus. Why do we have a book called Colossians? It's because they planted a church in the area of Colossae and they're writing a letter back to the church that's in Colossae. What about Philippians? Same thing. First and second Corinthians and first and second Thessalonians, again, the same thing. Why are they two? Because they're like your youngest child. They insist upon learning the hard way. That's why so they had to write to them twice. That's why there's two. Okay, uh, what, about, what about Timothy? Well, well, Timothy was the pastor at Ephesus. What about Titus? Titus was at the island of Crete. Every book of the New Testament after the Gospels comes from the book of Acts. Everything in the New Testament hangs off of the book of Acts. If you understand this book, you understand the New Testament. Church, this is why we're diving in. This is why we're gonna go into this and see what we can learn together. This brings us to our so what moment. So what does this mean? What do we do with this? Where do we go from here? Let me, let me keep it simple for us today. I wanna keep it really, really practical as we wrap this up. Here's what I hope we'll do, is that as we work our way through the book of Acts, I told you before, every single week, we're gonna tell you what passage of scripture we're gonna go over next week. So right now, I'll tell you, next week, we're gonna read, we're gonna preach on Acts chapter one, verses one through 11. So I wanna challenge you this week to go home and read one, verses one through 11 of Acts chapter one. It's 11 verses, that's it. 11 verses. I want to challenge you to read that. Sit on that this week. See what you can pull out from it. Don't worry about if you're right or wrong. Remember what I said? It's shallow enough. You can get anything from it, right? And then what we'll do is we'll go a little deeper when we get to Sunday. And so I want to challenge every one of you. What I hope you will do is to read the scripture. Every week that we do this, read the scripture. It's going to be on our website and it'll be in the newsletter. Two places that you can find it and see it. Second thing that I hope you'll do is don't just read the scripture, but then I hope you'll listen to Holy Spirit. I hope you'll listen to Holy Spirit. Take some moments to just sit in silence and say, God, what do you want me to get from this? What would you like me to learn? Now, I know for some of you, if you're new to church, you're like, I knew it. Here's where the crazy stuff happens. He just said spirit. I knew ghosts were involved. I knew there was crazy. Okay, hold on. Listen, listen. Let me just foreshadow. Uh, here's what I'll say. If you think it sounds crazy, it does. It sounds a little bit crazy. Come back next week because the who we're going to talk about just might be this Holy Spirit. I'm just foreshadowing a little bit that just might be the gift, and we're gonna talk about this. But for those of you that proclaim the name of Jesus, have some recognition and understanding of Holy Spirit, one of the things that we need to make sure we do whenever we read Scripture is to stop and pause long enough to go, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me? Allow God to speak to you. So read those 11 verses, take a moment and listen for a few moments, and then just let it marinate throughout the week. The last thing I'll say as we read scripture, we want to make sure what you do is apply what you learn. See if there's something you can learn from this and then actually apply it this week. Listen, there are some people who I know who know scripture incredibly well and never apply it. I would rather you know very little scripture but apply all of what you know than to know a ton and never apply it. And so I just want to push you to, as we read 11 verses, listen to the Lord and then try to apply something that you get from it. And every week, walk with us through the book of Acts. My prayer is this will be a journey we do as a church. And here's what I believe. I believe if you will walk this journey with us, you will begin to find peace in places you're not used to finding peace. You'll begin to find joy in places you're not used to finding joy. Because what you're going to begin to experience is what's called fruit of the Spirit. And as you begin to walk in the Spirit, you will begin to see that fruit in your life. And you will begin to become a different person. And you will begin to understand what it means to be fulfilled 
in Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, you know, I tell you, I tell you, the reason why I want my friends to know who Jesus is is not just about heaven and hell. It's because I want them to understand what heaven on earth is. I want them to understand the peace and the fulfillment and the joy that comes with knowing Jesus here and now. And I want them to have that life. And so I'm praying and I'm telling you, I believe if you walk through this, you're going to begin to experience that. You're going to begin to see it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. And we're going to love this. I hope you can tell I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Would you pray with me as we get ready to wrap up our services? Heavenly Father, oh Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for your writing. I think that, thank you that you write to us these, these stories, that you, that you had your people write down what took place and what happened. And Father, I'm so thankful that they were so good at writing it down that you've got people of today's day and age who are saying this book is right on. I don't know about the spiritual, but I'm telling you the, the, the facts of it are written exactly right. Oh Lord, thank you for that. Father, as we dive into this, I pray that we would begin to open our hearts and ourselves up to you. Father, some of us have tried for years to read scripture and to read the Bible, and we always struggle with it. May this be the beginning of a new habit, a new habit that says, okay, I can start with this just simple. All right, it's 11 verses. I got that. I'm doing 11 verses this week. Lord, I pray that for every one of us, we'd go, I, I can do it. I can do it. Let me do that this week. And Father, as a church, may we journey together. May we grow closer to you. May we find peace in you and find that joy in you. Lord, may we be an encouragement to one another. Because, Father, I truly believe that there is a work that I can't even fathom or understand or know right now that you are doing in the life of our church. And I'm excited to see what comes next. So let's dive into the book of, you know Jesus, so now what? You've met Jesus, now what? Let's dive in and let's grow. In Jesus' great and mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.